0: The effects of spinal cord injury extend beyond the loss of mobility. They can include a toll on mental health, a feeling of exclusion, and a general decline in the quality of life as a result of being unable to stand and interact eye to eye with others. Rewalk Robotics' personal exoskeleton is configured to an individual's body and enables someone who has suffered a spinal cord injury to stand, walk, and even climb up and down stairs. We spoke to Larry Jasinski, CEO of Rewalk Robotics, about the company's personal exoskeleton, how it works, and the impact it can have on the quality of life for someone with a spinal cord injury. Larry, thanks for joining us.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me today.
0: We're going to talk about disability from neurological conditions, Rewalk, and its wearable robotic exoskeleton. Perhaps you can begin by describing the Rewalk Personal 6. I'd like people to get a picture in their mind of what it looks like when someone's wearing it. Without getting into the technology, can you describe how someone wears this?
1: I certainly can. I'm going to give a one other description from uh, Arthur Clarke, so one of my more favorite authors. He he stated that one of his pieces, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So I don't know how that describes how it looks, but now let me go on to what it looks like. the The word exoskeleton is uh, something that fits on the surface of your leg and your abdomen, uh, and and. Uh, it's a typically black in color. And if you saw someone walking down the street in one, you'd, you'd think it was a, like a brace type device with motors and gears. To be a little more specific, it really is made up of four major components. Uh, in each shoe, there's a foot plate, which all the weight of the system is uh, going on. And this is a spring loaded device to lift the toes and lift the heel. And then the four joints, the two knees on each side and the two hips on each side, There's a cylinder assembly on the side of each leg, uh, which has gear and motor assemblies, along with some software that moves the uh, knees and hips in a very natural gait motion. And this is all stabilized by a pelvic band, uh, device going around the waist, which holds it together in a a person that has lost ability to feel anything from mid chest down. And then the last component of it is a waist pack. So uh, like a miniature backpack attached to the device, and in there are the batteries the computer and the software so if you see someone wearing this again it would look like a skeletal device on the outside of their body uh, and uh, that's really uh, the appearance that that you get and uh, hopefully uh, you'll see somebody walking down the street uh, for anybody that's listening to this along the way
0: there is a a fair bit of technology involved here this is a robotic device that has sensors the user wears a battery to power it can you explain the mix of technology here and what it does
1: yeah from the control side this is very much a human machine interface the device by itself can't do anything and the person by themselves can't do anything but combined they can walk and do a lot of things together and it relies on uh, for a control uh uh, two major things are some sensors, uh, accelerometers, which basically you think of your, of your cell phone going from portrait to landscape, you know, you can sense, it senses that change and the device changes. So the sensors on this device allow the user to tell the machine when it wants to walk. Uh, in a real simple way, if you're sitting in a chair and you want to stand up and you lean just a little bit forward like we all do when we get out of a chair, that would turn it on to stand. The same thing when you want to take a step. If you just begin that emotion, uh, uh, that motion or sense uh, where you move anywhere from 2 to 4 to six, 15 degrees forward, the device uh, can be set at a setting and that will begin walking. And they stop by straightening. Uh, and on stairs, uh, it, it also relies on similar features. Um, the other item the person will use is they'll wear a little watch controller and they'll push a button on it whether they want to go from sit to stand whether they want to be walking or whether they're going to go up or down stairs. Uh, so the robotics mechanics, the motors and gears I saw, decided previously, are really driven by these sensors uh, and what the person uh, directs the uh, system to do through their own body movement and the, uh, the watch device.
0: What happens in the case of spinal cord injury to prevent someone from walking? Well,
1: Uh, To oversimplify it, the spinal cord is severed. So a portion of the spinal cord or entirely the spinal cord is no longer able to transmit uh, to the muscles uh, and controls of the lower part of the body. So uh, most of our patients are spinal cord injury complete or incomplete, but they have no ability to typically feel anything from approximately mid-chest down. Our FDA uh, designations from T4, thoracic level 4 of the vertebral body. Um, And... It really has an uh, impact not only just on walking, but it affects the function on your GI, uh, GU, skin, uh, bones uh, in terms of density, uh, lifestyle are all affected uh, by this uh, uh, impact on the body with the spinal cord being severed.
0: Well, what does someone with a condition need to be able to make use of the device? Are there physical qualification? Is it customized to each user?
1: Uh, I'll do both of those uh, questions. Uh, First, from a qualifying for use, they're very specific FDA uh, guided, clinically guided indications. Uh, You have to be of a certain weight. We can take a person up to about 220 pounds. Uh, You have to be of a a height level, uh, generally not taller than about six foot one or six foot two, depending on the length of your legs. You have to have bone density that has been maintained. Uh, that is strong enough to be able to stand on your bones. So you have to do a test of your bone density. Uh, we also look at mental factors. Are you doing correctly? How to get on and off an escalator or go on to an elevator or to move from grass uh, to, uh, to stone or curb, uh, things of that type. So there are a lot of factors that are all broken out in our FDA filings. Um, now, relative to an individual, people come in all sizes and shapes So we size these things very precisely to match the size of their foot, the length of their uh, tibia, the lower uh, bone by the calf, or in their thigh, the femur. Uh, We want those joints to line up perfectly because that allows the safest and most effective motion for walking. So technically there's about 150,000 combinations between the mechanics and the software settings to make it work for someone who's short or tall or uh, skinny or not skinny. And uh, we take about two hours to set the system up to match everything that that one individual needs uh, when they first acquire one. Uh,
0: Given the severity of a a spinal cord injury, is there any minimal function they need to be able to use this device? Uh,
1: There's no function needed in the uh, musculature of the lower body. Uh, It is more the medical qualifications that they could safely use it. Uh, and that comes down to the ones I described before, a combination of uh, they've done some work to maintain their body. For example, if you've been injured, if you don't spend some time in a standing frame and put weight on your bones so that you're growing new bone or keeping your bones strong, that would be a limiter. Uh, but uh, generally, uh, for anybody who is completely paralyzed or partially paralyzed from uh, abdomen or diaphragm area down would be able to use the device.
0: And. What can someone wearing the rewalk do that they couldn't do without it? Uh, I think that one's an easy, it's live life differently.
1: Um, If you, as a listener, imagine that you just simply can't walk. The chair you're sitting in is where you are, and if you want to go somewhere else, you can roll somewhere. But if you want to walk across the room, stand up and talk to somebody, get something off a high shelf, uh, you can't do those things anymore, go up and down a flight of stairs. Uh, so it, it, it is a life-changing technology that uh, has uh, achieved a goal that was set by our founder long ago when, when he experienced that personally.
0: Well, you mentioned your founder. Can you, you talk a little about how this came about? Certainly.
1: Uh, Dr. Amit Gopher is the founder of uh, and inventor of this system. And he was a prolific inventor, an electrical engineer, and he did a lot of uh, development of navigation and other technical systems. But like many of us, he was in the wrong spot at the wrong time. He was out on an all-terrain vehicle, had an accident uh, when he was out with his kids, and he became paralyzed. And you know, one of the things he looked at the most, wheelchairs really haven't changed that much. I mean, yes, there's the materials are different. In 2000 years, there's been wheelchairs around as a way to move. There was not a practical, functional way to work. And emits vision from his own frustrations of not being able to get things in his kitchen cabinets and living a lifestyle and talking to people face-to-face, uh, his real goal and reason for creating this system and this company, and he had the unique perspective of a, being a prolific engineer who also understood the needs uh, and the technical capacity to what could be done. Uh, his, he was first give a device that would function. That's what he really delivered uh, and then Allowing broader access, because most people wouldn't have access to these systems without some level of uh, clinical support, training, uh, and importantly, uh, coverage uh, by uh, most entities, uh, either private or public insurance systems.
0: You talked a little about the, the setup of the device, but is there special training someone needs to go through to actually use it, or is this something they could do intuitively?
1: It's, it's no longer intuitive. Uh, for a user who stands up for the first time after maybe years or weeks or months, uh, but typically it's years uh, without walking, they have to relearn how to balance. They have to relearn how to safely use the system. Uh, and we have a, uh, it takes about 20 sessions typically in a rehab center, uh, not unlike you would see with other, uh, uh, when you're learning to first live in a wheelchair or first learning to live, work uh, and walk after a stroke. So the average is about 20 sessions. It could be is a little bit less, it could be a fair amount more. But we, we teach the person the basics of balance, the basics of what do you do, whether you're getting in an elevator or going up a staircase or going from grass to dirt and uh, conditions around you. So we're, we're pretty cautious about that to make sure the device is safe and a good experience for everybody. And we also train them on the technical uh, components of it. And we train a companion. We like each person to have a family member or friend that is familiar enough with the system that they can provide help if ever needed.
0: You know, the the obvious benefit of using the devices is is that you're able to stand and walk, but I I take it there are less visible benefits this provides someone with with this type of a, a disability.
1: There, there really are. Uh, I, I think the one I describe the most is the the impact of eye to eye meetings. And I'll think of a couple of uh, specific examples uh, with Dr. Gopher, the founder, I was at a meeting at the Israeli embassy with him, and this man had created something incredible. But he's sitting in a chair and all the rest of us have been talking eye to eye, but he couldn't hear us and we generally didn't hear him. He was somewhat excluded from the conversation. And for me, that was a, a thing that, like, hey, this is the guy you should really be talking to, but you can't hear him, he can't hear you. So it, it, that's a really soft one, but it really matters to the to the users and in being inclusive. And I'm going to give another really good story that uh, we had a meeting in Israel with uh, President Obama and one of our rewalkers uh, many years ago. And one of the things that she said to the president was, how do you hug your wife? And at first, I didn't understand where she was going with that. Uh, but President Obama said, well, I breached you know, put my arms around and hug my wife. He goes, well, think about a person in a wheelchair. And he said, well, people will bend down and maybe pat you on the back. You lose human content. And uh, President Obama got that and he gave her a big bear hug. And uh, that was something where I was, uh, uh, A, other than when I figured out what she was doing with the question, I was uh, wonderfully appreciative about how considerate and how well he understood uh, in a second what difference it made. So those are the beyond walking kind of benefits.
0: So do do your users talk about the, the social and psychological benefits they've gained?
1: Almost more than they do the medical benefits. Uh, it's, it's, I, I will ask someone, what is the favorite thing about this device? Walking doesn't usually make the upper part of the list. I get the, you gave me my spouse back or I, my son uh, is more active again. Uh, it, it changes lifestyle. So beyond the health benefits, which I can describe in a second... Uh, it, it is a lifestyle that has made many individuals uh, able to regain their uh, activity of life in their community uh, in a different way. Um, an- another example is a woman I know that uh, uh, couldn't get to her mother's house because she couldn't get up the stairs in her wheelchair and she uh, Uh, once she had the system, she can go up and down the stairs, but she loved being the greeter when they were having Thanksgiving dinners and parties and things at the front door, giving everyone a hug and talking to them because she can move around. So those are the the soft ones. There there are many physical benefits that are not just walking. And there's three or four I'd point at. Uh, GI track, and when I ask someone, what do you, why do you like this? Say, that's the answer I get the most, because I can go to the bathroom in a predictable, normal way, and maybe in 20 minutes and not taking an hour to try to uh, clear my bowel system. Um, GU track, I get less urinary tract infections when I'm up and about moving than I do when I'm living in a wheelchair. And that's the number one cause of death in this population when you look at the statistics. Uh, skin tone, getting increased blood flow to the skin uh, is, is a value. Um, The number of people that have told me they've gotten off pain medication because the musculature in the core of the spine around the center of the body uh, rebuilds as you're walking, just a simple exercise of it. And getting off spasticity medications, these are things that you're trying to avoid involuntary contractions because you're in a chair. But when you're on those medications, it affects your mental outlook. And this is the uh, item that I hear the most from our groups. It's my head is clear. I don't have to take those pain meds or those pesticide meds anymore. Uh, And I rejoined activities uh, better because of it.
0: What's the regulatory path you've had to go through with the FDA on this?
1: Uh, It started out uh, as a, a PMA and they later moved it to a de novo. So there was no predicate. Uh, but we took it through the full FDA process. It was was the device that created the industry. Um, The data behind that uh, at the time was a lot of safety studies. Uh, So that was particularly important to us. But uh, now we have over 100 published papers that we've uh, cited and used with our insurance side. Uh, And we have two large randomized trials, uh, all showing the benefits of this. Uh, And uh, we put several further advancements in the design. So the original design were were on Rewalk 6.0 and number seven coming soon. We are constantly able to make uh, improvements in the system uh, with the FDA uh, in in a very reasonable manner.
0: And who is the device approved for? Uh, Presently,
1: it is labeled for spinal cord injury, complete or incomplete Uh, In the clinic from T4 uh, or lower, uh, in everyday life at home, T7 or lower. So that's thoracic vertebral body number four or seven. Uh, Above the diaphragm, mid-chest would be an easy way to describe it.
0: There's a a wide range of diseases, both rare and common, that affect mobility. What would it take to expand the use of of the device in, in these other populations?
1: It's incredibly possible. And now that we have uh, a path towards financial stability with some coverage and other things, uh, in the future, I could see an exosuit as opposed to an exoskeleton because you don't need the full large structure to pretend to uh, take care of the entire human body. Uh, Someone who may weigh 220 pounds. If you've got someone who has a stroke and they need to be able to lift their foot mechanically in concert with the other foot in a normal gait pattern, or you have someone with MS that needs a trigger to help allow them to continue to walk longer, uh, or someone with Parkinson's, again, who needs that same kind of movement. So we have versions of this system uh, that we have, one for sale in the clinic and others that have been used in clinical studies but not yet advanced to commercialization. In those types of uses, so uh, specifically the the larger segments are stroke MS and Parkinson's. There are a few smaller ones, such as cerebral palsy. Uh, It can help all of those patients, and I think in the longer-term vision of this industry, uh, you will see those.
0: And are you gonna to have to go through approvals for each of those indications?
1: Yes, but the path is easier. One is we have uh, we can 510K against our own device and others that have come since ours. And it also in particular on the reimbursement front, uh, why all of our work has been to gain coverage uh, around the spinal cord injury. The next time around, we believe we'll be able to make progress much more easily uh, for uh, derivative areas uh, and uh, hopefully get those covered. We'll have to do a lot of work still. They're they're not they're not necessarily easy, but they're a lot easier now that you have something that has led the
0: way. Well, what is the device cost, and is it generally reimbursed?
1: Uh, the cost of the device, the list price in the United States is one hundred eighty six thousand dollars. So it's a, it is an expensive technology uh, that produces a lot of value. Uh, It is covered in the United States. If you're a veteran, uh, you have an ability to get this system covered by the VA. They do a great job. And as of January 1st, so two days ago, CMS had created and established a benefit category for this. Uh, So we will begin to see payments with CMS patients, which... Uh, In the spinal cord injury community, 56% of all patients either wind up under Medicare or Medicaid. Uh, So the majority of this population uh, will gain some level of access uh, if they are medically qualified.
0: I know in your next generation of exoskeletons, you're incorporating advanced sensor technology and AI. How does this change the experience for the user? What improvements do you expect this to provide?
1: Well, the thing we want to accomplish the
0: most is utilization, The more you use it, the
1: more you walk, the better the impact, the better the quality of life. So everything we can do to make it easier to use. And uh, if you think of a self-driving car, uh, because that's where a lot of these technologies are born and we're using those same kind of sensors and developing some of the own softwares with partners. Uh, Many of the decisions that need to be made while walking, which take a conscious effort and are not necessarily the easiest for a user, can become somewhat more automated for example if you have cameras and sensors that you're walking down a busy street it can sense the speed of the people around you and adjust your speed accordingly accordingly if you have the inevitable uh, a kid kicks a ball in front of you a dog jumps in front of you, you you don't have to be watching and and reacting the device can react for you so it's safer and easier to use if you approach a ramp you've got to change your balance a little bit well this can see and sense that ramp if you approach a stair it'll it'll recognize the height of the stair and and be able to do these things for you uh, while you still have control over the device, it just makes it much easier to use. And that that's really how we are, have, uh, have demonstrated with our first AI uh, system in the lab, uh, which we uh, uh, used uh, for, uh, about four weeks ago now. So it's fairly new for us, but it's been a few years in development.
0: You did get a, a boost in your, your stock price from the CMS decision. You, Rewalk has about a $60 million market cap. It's trading around a dollar a share. How far will existing cash take you, and how are you thinking about raising additional capital?
1: Uh, well, first, the, the existing cash that we have, with the progress we believe we're going to get from growth with the Rewalk now, as we will have be able to provide it to CMS patients, really for the first time here in 2024, And with our our acquired product line, we've added to our company uh, an anti-gravity system called Ultra-G, that gives us some size and scope. Uh, So on the cash we have in the bank, we believe we can get to profitability by 2026 without raising additional capital. Um, And and that's happening because of the growth between the two product lines that we uh, now have as our primaries. And expense synergy, I have one large sales force now combined with the two companies. I've been able to reduce uh, many of the expenses administratively and in the overall management structure. Uh, so I'm going to be able to get this, uh, we believe, to profitability if we grow at the levels we think we can and will. Uh, so we're not raising capital at this point for getting to profitability. Uh, however, I would be opportunistic because we do believe we can add other technologies. There are many things that uh, could be a part of a portfolio of this larger, stronger field organization. And also for the products you ask for uh, about rare technologies or rare diseases uh, or stroke or MS or Parkinson's, any of those types of things. We'd like to advance some of those past the early stage clinicals that we've taken them uh, and that requires some funds. So if, if we did look for funds, it would be opportunistic, but at a time when the markets are maybe more favorable to it than they are today, so our focus right now is get profitable on what we got because I can now grow with CMS and, and the AlterG and a new product line in AlterG that will get to more uh, clinics
0: around the United States. Larry Zuzinski, CEO of Rewalk Robotics. Larry, thanks so much for your time today. Hey, thank you very much for your interest. And
1: uh, I really appreciate you taking uh, the time to discuss this and put more knowledge out for a community that needs to know that it's available to them uh, we have to educate the physicians on the inclusion-exclusion criteria, and we want to help as many users as we can to get through the reimbursement process, and we have a whole team built for that. Uh, so anybody who needs that help, we will help them. That's, that will achieve Dr. Uh, Gopher's mission. Uh, and Thank you for, for allowing us to talk about it today.
0: Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group.